Welcome to the PeaceWorks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God-honoring relationships. Welcome back to the PeaceWorks Podcast, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about a common concern and try to assuage some of the fears associated with the conversation of domestic abuse and the church. But before we jump into that, I want to remind you of a couple things. Hey, we've been talking about PeaceWorks Live, which is our first uh, ever conference that we've hosted here at PeaceWorks, and this is going to be a virtual event. September 25th and 26th, 2020. So if you're up to date on the podcast and you're looking for more information about the dynamics and impact of abuse, I think this would be a great event for you to attend. And uh, if you are looking for resources to share with your church leadership, with your pastor, with your ministry, then we really would encourage you to share this information uh, with them because this will be a great event, great introductory event uh, for ministry leaders. Again, that's PeaceWorks Live. It's uh, September 25th and 26th. It features myself uh, with bonus uh, material from Joy Forrest, Darby Strickland, and Greg Wilson. Uh, Survivor Story uh, from my friend Selena and Worship by Capital Worship. You can find out more about PeaceWorks Live at chrismoles.org slash events, chrismoles.org slash events. And as always, if uh, you appreciate what you hear on the PeaceWorks podcast and you would like more, more information, more resources, more content, then consider joining PeaceWorks University. PeaceWorks University is our online membership site for people helpers, and I believe it's the most robust collection of gospel-centered resources for domestic violence prevention and intervention. And you can find out more about PeaceWorks University again at chrismoles.org. All right, let's jump right into today's conversation. You know, one thing that I continue to see, and in our recent episodes, we've been talking a little bit about uh, interacting with biblical counselors or with pastors. And one of the conversations I have quite frequently, or, or maybe better put, it's among the top questions that we get asked is about our focus on men's violence against women. It usually goes something like this. In a more subtle and, I think, um, genuine regard, the questions go something like, well, what about men? Do you see uh, women abusing men? Or have you dealt with many male victims? I think those are questions that come from genuine concern, right? They are... um, individuals who don't want to oversimplify a problem and they want to make sure they're addressing it from a full-orbed perspective. Uh, The second way that it's put, usually, and I'll say, so the first is like a genuine concern. I think the second wave of questions come uh, something like this. Well, you have to admit, or don't you see, or um, it seems to me, that men are experiencing the same yada, 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 yada. So the second level, I think, really comes from a, uh, the first from a place of genuine concern, wanting to make sure we get it right. The second coming 
almost from a place of healthy suspicion. And, and that is usually um, bolstered or supported by anecdotal evidence or um, seeing certain events. And here's what I mean by that. Usually I hear that second retort from, you know, counselors or pastors who've been working with individuals who are being sinned against. Uh, however, one of the things that might be missing is an understanding of abuse as a construct. That's why, you know, in the previous episode, we talked about that. And I think what would help clarify is to really understand the distinction between sin and abuse, right? And so it is possible to sin against another and that and it not be abusive. And I'll try to unpack that here in a moment. I think the last and probably the most vocal usually come from men that either have experienced um, abuse at the hands of a woman, whether it be their, their mother, which is the most likely place that they've experienced it uh, as a child, or from a partner. Um, and then the second group of men in this category would be um, men who perhaps are perpetrators or perhaps have been aggressive or abusive themselves and they want to mutualize. And usually that's the more um, blatant type comments or questions or concern is, well, obviously abuse is mutual or I can't believe you only focus on men's violence against women. It's almost accusatory, right? So the first category is real genuine concern. And I think a lot of that is you can answer with conversation. The second, I think, is really kind of a, a healthy suspicion that can be assuaged or helped through, um, again, education and really understanding abuse. I, I don't think it's a, I think it's a misunderstanding of abuse more than anything. And then the third, I think, is really this accusatory response. There's not much we can do except state our case and then move on. I guess I bring all this up because it's just been a reoccurring theme recently, especially online. We see a lot of this, you know, pushback about why, why we address one and not the other. So let me unpack that for just a second from PeaceWorks perspective. I can't speak for other ministries uh, I can only speak for the reason why we have decided to address men's violence against women. And the first reason is the, the prevalence. And I know there are a couple studies out there that try to dismantle the realities of how prevalent men's violence against women is. But quite frankly, when you look at the overwhelming data and research that has been done, Men's violence against women is at epidemic proportions, and it's there's really little argument that women are by and large in intimate relationships more likely to be victimized, and um, <clears throat> excuse me, more likely to be victimized by their intimate partner, and a lot of that just has to do with societal structure, but also with just sheer size and power and. I think we should recognize that. I don't think we should shy away from that. I do feel that even in a secular environment, we're going to be addressing this problem more and more because I think the culture at large is in, 
in many ways wants to see an, an elimination of gender or a, um, a form of equality that's far from the original striving for equity, but actually seeing everything as, as equal. And I just don't think that's the case. I think men are much more likely, and it's statistically proven, and I think it's also just genetically true, much more likely to use their power to control their partner. And so the first reason why we at PeaceWorks address men's violence against women is the prevalence, right? The vast majority of victims of domestic violence are female. The majority of emergency room visits related to domestic violence are women. Um, the vast majority of men who are victims of violence are victims of other men. Now, I have heard many times that the pushback is immediately, well, men don't report. And I, I would say that's never been proven. That's an assumption. There's an assumption that men are embarrassed. However, um, I don't think that's ever been proven from a research or a statistical. I think it's something that we feel, but we really can't say for certain. So first reason why we focus on men's violence against women is just the prevalence. The second is, uh, I would say, is a, an impact reason. I'll do the theological last if there's room, but I think the other reason, the second reason why we really focus our attention on men's violence against women is the impact. And I, I know I, this is where I think a lot of people do disagree with me, and that's fine. We can have disagreements, but I think abuse is when one person use power to control another. And if, if your threat or your use of force doesn't produce fear and concern and coercion, then I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little iffy on whether or not I call it abuse. And, and here's what I mean by that. A lot of times the pushback goes, well, she did the same behavior that he did. And I want to be careful here because I do believe that women can sin against their husbands, right? That wives can sin against their husbands. Sin in very graphic and demonstrative and ugly ways. And I would never support um, a wife necessarily using acts of force and threat and coercion against her husband. I will say, however, that most of the time, and, and this is something we have to consider, most of the time, those acts of threat, force, and coercion do not have the impact that they would if that individual had some kind of power. Meaning, and I'll just use my wife and I for an example, and this is not our relationship, we don't have an abusive relationship, but if I were to use name-calling and um, raising my voice and stomping my feet and throwing things, right? It would have, it would be sinful, but because of my size, position, and power, it would have a great deal of impact. My wife would more than likely be scared, uh, fearful. If she were to do those same behaviors directed at me, they would be sinful, they would be inappropriate, but I don't think I would be threatened. I don't think I would be fearful. Uh, I think instead I would be annoyed. I'd be confused. I would be frustrated, right? But I would have much more agency in that moment. And that's what I'm getting at. And I think that's a big 
big point of concern, especially among biblical counselors, is, Chris, I don't understand how this behavior is abusive here, but it's not over here. And I, I want to be clear that, you know, that behavior could be sinful regardless of where it's at. But I do think abuse has to carry that weight. And um, it has to carry with it that threat of fear and for it to be abuse. And here's what I mean by that. If, if it's only the behaviors, right, and everyone's abusive, right, then no one's abusive. And so I don't think abuse functions as that construct we talked about in the last episode. I don't think that abuse functions in mutuality, right? Um, I, I, and I want to be careful there. I'm not being absolute in that either. I do think there are abusive relationships that have elements of mutuality, but I'm saying in general, most of the time, nine times out of 10 or statistically four times out of five, right? It, it, power, control, fear are all part of the construct. And so I absolutely think we address men's violence against women, one, because of the prevalence and then two, because of the impact, that we understand a distinction between um, the impact on another. So let's go to the last piece, which I guess it would be a theological piece. And this is probably the least liked. So the, the first is pretty well established, statistically speaking. The second um, is not always appreciated because it's not feelings-based. It's It's based on impact. And then the last is a theological reason. And I actually think this is important. Some folks would would say that um, that it's not central to the discussion, but I think for what we do here at PeaceWorks, a theological uh, component is really important. I happen to believe if you're going to claim to be a believer, like if you're going to say that you are existing in a Christian marriage, and I think there are certain standards that have to be held to, and abuse violates all of those standards. I think if you're going to claim to be, say, what we would call uh, complementarian, right, and you're going to claim to be a complementarian Christian and that you are called to love your wife as Christ loved the church and you're called to live with your wife in an understanding way and you're called to love your wife and not be harsh with her and you violate all of those principles, then you are... Um, well, that you're hypocritical. You're living outside of the theological construct or the doctrinal position that you claim to hold. And so I think theology is important to the discussion of men's violence against women. And I would say that the church, here's second to that. So the first is the, the heart of God for husbands and wives uh, contradicts abuse, and, or I should say abuse contradicts that position. But then secondly, the church has a theological and doctrinal position on ministering to and helping the vulnerable, right? Of ministering to the oppressed. When we when we convolute things to the place where everything is equal and we mutualize everything, then it's going to be very difficult to understand categories like oppressed or oppressor, abused or abuser. And what ends up getting hap what ends up happening is we reduce it case by case. If we, reduce, if we reduce everything to case by case, which I'm not opposed to, but just hear, hear me out on this. We reduce everything case by case. Then 
we start developing categories for what counts and what doesn't. And then we develop formulas. And then those formulas lead to systems. And then systems leads to, leads to lists. And then lists can be manipulated. You've often heard, if you've listened to any of the other material that we produce at PeaceWorks, you've heard uh, my friend Joy Forrest say that abusive individuals love checklists. And they do. And if we build everything into a formula that these five things when done in this order are abuse, and these are not, then what will happen is that controlling abusive, oppressive people will function in such a way to uh, collude with our categories. I hope that makes some level of sense. But theology doesn't operate like that. Uh, the, the Word of God doesn't operate like that because we're not just looking at categories, behaviors, and so on. We're looking at the heart. And so the heart of abuse is this pride that leads to control, coercion, threat, fear, right? That come about through the leveraging or abuse of power. So from a Christian perspective, there are times in which women in general are more likely to be abusive, right? Where would that be? Well, with folks who are vulnerable, weaker than them, um, in a position under them, authority-wise. I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean that in a general, this is just the way things work. Women are much more likely to be abusive in cases dealing with children, the elderly, the disabled. Women are much less likely to be abusive in intimate relationships where their partner has more leverage, position, power, or privilege. Now, can the tables be turned? Sure, I've seen the tables turn, in particular when the court system gets involved and aspects of revenge and so on can come into play. But generally speaking, we at PeaceWorks focus on men's violence against women because first, men's violence against women is more prevalent, far more prevalent. It's not even close, uh, statistically speaking. Secondly, we focus on men's violence against women because the impact. I've often said in trainings, if you were to close your eyes, and imagine a world where men no longer used violence, where they, no, men, no, no man on the planet used violence. What type of world would it be? My guess is it would be a very different world. Now, if you were to close your eyes and imagine a world where women never used violence, it would probably be the same because men's violence is so prevalent. So, uh, and the impact is so much more severe. And then of course, lastly, as I've said, Theologically, you know, if you're calling individuals who claim to be believers to account, then one of the things you have to consider is God's, God's will and God's heart when it comes to uh, power, and when it comes to um, the vulnerable, and when it comes to individuals uh, that are put in a position of fear who are threatened, okay? So I hope that makes a little bit of sense and uh, can take us, you know, one step closer to dialoguing appropriately. I don't think it's healthy, say, when one of my friends, you know, does a YouTube video or something, and the first comment is, you know, don't listen to them because they don't mutualize, right? When it's, what about all the men? We don't have these conversations to ostracize men. We have these conversations to protect women and children because from our perspective, and we think it's well-documented and true, Women and children are much more vulnerable when it comes to acts of abuse, and men are much more likely to commit these acts. 
Again, I hope this was a helpful conversation for you. If you'd like to learn more or have more dialogue about this or more resources or content, again, we point you back to PeaceWorks University. We'd love for you to be part of our team there. And then also, if you'd like to be just introduced to the topic, learn more about domestic abuse and the church, a great first step is PeaceWorks Live coming up September 25th and 26th. You can find out more about all of our resources at chrismoles.org. And as always, guys, God bless.